So dear friends, good evening. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Rowan reminded us that uh, at the beginning of, of the talks, Thich Nhat Hanh would always mention the date and time and location uh, to put the uh, message in context so you know who you're talking to. It harkens back to the time of the sutras. So uh, it's, is it the 7th of June? <laughs> Tuesday, June 7th. Uh, we're here at the Open Way Mindfulness Center. And I feel like every talk that I've offered in the past couple of years begins with, this has been a really hard couple of years. Um, and it has been. And it's, um, there's a lot of suffering uh, in our lives. Uh, the, the pandemic, of course, completely upended so much of our daily life and the way that we engage with each other. Even now, I still notice a little hesitation being around people or approaching them or, uh, or shaking hands or whatever it is. There's just that little, like, oh, can we do this? Is this okay? Um, and I was just noticing how much that affects my, my mind. Uh, that those uh, elements, and of course, there's the the chronic background of uh, climate change and impending potential climate disaster collapse. And so many other um, other things that have been alive. And then, of course, there have been many wonderful things. I think about the pride celebration in Missoula this weekend and just uh, the support and connection that comes out for that. Uh, this um, couple of weeks will be the uh, Juneteenth, which is now a federal holiday, uh, which is amazing <laughs> that we have that. So there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of positive that's been coming out. Um, but I've been wondering and exploring, uh, and I think we've all been exploring, how we remain open-hearted and connected in the midst of everything that's happening. Uh, how, how do we keep our hearts from closing up, uh, from becoming numb? And uh, I was uh, looking at uh, some of the the Pali sutras. Uh, there's a vast collection of teachings that the Buddha gave. Uh, I was reading them in English, but they're from the Pali canon. And uh, I came across a, a passage from uh, a collection called the Numerical Discourses or the Anguttara Nikaya. It's a just groupings of things where they have lists in them. So there's one with four things in it. There's, uh, and then they have just a whole book of fours and then five things. So they're not thematic other than being numeric, which is why they're the numerical discourses. And there's a, a sutra where um, a, uh, a Brahmin uh, of the time 
uh, a holy leader of the time approached the Buddha and said, hey, I, this was in the Book of Fours, and so he said, hey, I, I have four things that make a wise person, and he listed them. And the Buddha said, that's a very good list. Uh, here's four others that you might want to consider. Um, there's a lot of like that kind of back and forth in those. And um, and I, I just like to read what the Buddha said were the four qualities of a great, uh, he said man, but of a great person with great wisdom. Here, the person is practicing for the welfare and happiness of many people. This person is one who has established many people in the noble method, that is, in the goodness of the Dharma, the wholesomeness of the Dharma. That's one. Two, this person thinks whatever they want to think and does not think what they do not want to think. They intend whatever they want to intend and do not intend what they do not want to intend. Thus, this person has attained mental mastery over the ways of thought. Man, when I read that, I was like, okay, that's what I want. <laughs> I want mental mastery over thought, just one quality. Um, and they go on, the, the third one, they, they talk about um, uh, the four jhanas, which are uh, uh, concentration practices. The first jhana, which we all know, even though we don't know it, it's the bliss that we get from, uh, it's called the bliss of seclusion. So basically, when you sit down and close your eyes and you think like, why don't I do this all the time? <laughs> this feels so good. <laughs> That's that first jhana. Um, and then uh, the fourth one is um, being able to live uh, with a liberated mind, free of, um, they call them the taints, uh, that is the, the things that cloud or make the mind uh, uh, muddy or heavy. But that one that I read, the not thinking what uh, you don't want to think and thinking what you do want to think, that one just jumped out at me and really grabbed my, um, my attention. Uh, because like I think so many of us, uh, we read or hear or watch something that um, it's painful to see and to witness. And it goes in and um, what, happen, what happens with me a lot of the time is that it goes in, kind of rattles around in there. I don't really do anything with it and I start uh, doing something else. And then later you know, that thought pops back in my mind. Like, oh, I can't believe that happened just sitting there washing dishes and you know that thought comes in and then again later uh, and maybe I'm trying to go to sleep and I am just activated just running through all those things that have happened um, and so when I read that well, maybe it's possible to think what you want to think and not think what you don't want to think uh, made me curious about like well how do you do that <laughs> um, that sounds great. <laughs> um, 
And I was um, reminded of a practice uh, that Tara Brock uh, popularized, uh, the practice of, a, a, she calls it the RAIN meditation. Um, but it's a practice of uh, recognizing, it's an acronym, R-A-I-N. So it's recognize, accept, or allow, uh, investigate, and then nurture. So recognizing that um, an acceptance, uh, what usually happens is I, I might notice or it might feel like it's in the background. It's like uh, something kind of pointy, you know, and then I ignore, which is not the, not the acronym. Uh, um, so I was thinking about, well, okay, a couple of things that might help so that my thoughts can go where I want them. And the first is to be very careful how I receive information. Not necessarily suggesting, although it's helpful to not uh, look at or read or listen to the news, um, uh, but sometimes I can feel a little like a, uh, you know, just hiding. And, like avoiding, sometimes. Sometimes it, it's really nourishing. Uh, but what I've started doing is taking a moment to very intentionally look at, read, listen to the news, uh, the information that's going on. So um, remember there's that other thing that person intends to do, what they intend to do. So doing it on purpose. Um, and when I do that, uh, can allow that difficult feeling in um, because it's not, uh, I'm prepared, not bracing, not that kind of preparation, but actually opening, uh, widening my heart to receive things that might be difficult. And if it's the news, it's going to be difficult. Sometimes we don't know how difficult it's going to be. And then with the, the heart widened and that knowing that I might receive some difficult information soon, I can allow myself to feel it, to feel that pain uh, and that difficulty. And in fact, it's a, a gift to be able to. Now, we've all probably had that experience where we're overwhelmed and we can't feel. Uh, can't feel anything. Just kind of numb uh, going through the motions. And so opening the heart and really taking that recognition and acceptance of that feeling in. allows me uh, and allows all of us to be able to perhaps let it move through. Um, so I remember uh, was here just a couple of weeks ago on, a, on Tuesday night. I was sitting down to, to get ready to sit and I got a text uh, from, my, uh, from my wife saying there was a school shooting 
I wasn't ready for that. Um, I didn't know any details, uh, mercifully. But being in this context was very helpful because the next hour <laughs> could just allow it to move, to feel that, that pain. Uh, that's, that's empathy, uh, being able to feel what other people, at least to a small degree, what other people might be experiencing. And of course, it waters those thoughts of, uh, you know, I've got uh, children uh, in elementary school, and so it waters those thoughts of my kids. But then I can open my eyes, and what do I see? You all sitting, breathing, supporting. And it gives me that, that ability to let it move through a little bit. And in this way, it's um, this practice can allow all of us to engage more open-heartedly with this difficult information. Don't mean to say that we're uh, like cold and closed-hearted, but as a, a, a protection, a lot of times we'll put, uh, we'll, we will close our hearts because uh, it's too painful. And so there might be um, opportunity for us to create a little space to actually feel that, that pain, uh, to allow ourselves to feel it, as awful as it is and as uncomfortable as it is. In feeling it, it moves. It moves through our system. You have to be really careful uh, with that kind of practice because um, you have to have a foundation, something to uh, to return to. As uh, one of our Sangha friends uh, mentioned the other week, uh, I've been very much into body practice uh, these past years, uh, just awareness of the body. So when I heard that, uh, just that brief sentence, that there was a school shooting in an elementary school. And all that came up. I knew that if I kept thinking about it, uh, it wasn't going to be very helpful for anybody, um, for the people who are suffering there in Texas, uh, for the people here in the Sangha where I was, or for myself. Uh, so. Instead, I turned to the body and, and just explored what that feeling was. And that's where that I, that investigate, starts to come into play uh, from that RAIN acronym. Start investigating, what does it feel like to feel this pain, this grief? What does it feel like in my legs, in my torso, in my chest? Uh, does it feel the same? Just, just questions. Uh, questions to keep it out of the realm of thought, which is not going to help in that moment, and into the realm of experience, and into the realm of the body. Mm. But if I don't 
take the time to do that. And if we don't take the time to do that, we just read the next thing or listen to the next thing. And it goes in and we read the next thing and it goes in and it hasn't moved through our system. And pretty soon uh, we are uh, wanting to protect ourselves by uh, not feeling, by distracting ourselves. Because maybe at this point the pain has gotten to be too big uh, because there's so much. Uh, one thing at a time. The beauty of this practice is that uh, our empathy, that, that feeling of pain with other people, uh, tells us that we're connected to them. And I mean, it's strange as it sounds, sometimes when I'm experiencing pain with other people, there's a little bit of uh, gratitude and even joy. Uh, it's a different, it's not like that, you know, birthday party kind of joy, but more of just like a, uh, almost like that first jhana that we mentioned, that bliss of being aware, that Gratitude of like, I'm so glad I can feel with people, with the world. This is a gift that we have. And that kind of speaks to that first quality, too, of um, doing good works uh, with other people. Um, and sometimes uh, I can even let go of the other people's pain. Um, as difficult as their pain might be. Um, I can feel it with them for a little while, but then let it go. It doesn't mean I let the person go, and it doesn't mean that we let our caring or our love go, but rather it opens up the possibility of being able to truly be present with uh, either the person who's in our physical presence or the people who are in our uh, in our collective consciousness, in that collective presence. That's what I think of as compassion, uh, is feeling and getting a little taste or an understanding of what another person might be experiencing through our empathy, and then moving into a place where we can support that person uh, in, a, in a way of uh, coming from our own solidity and our own solid our own groundedness. Yeah. You may have heard compassion is, is sometimes broken down into its Latin roots of uh, with, uh, that's what calm, with or together, and passion uh, is originally in Latin was pati, which is uh, to suffer. And some people think of that as suffer with, but I think that's a little, uh, a little bit um, misguided to think of it that way, but I like to think of it in its original order, with suffering. Uh, so it's being able to be with suffering. Um, not suffering for another person, but being with that person as, or that situation, or the whole earth as it suffers. Um, that's what that compassion can be. Um,
going to consult what I thought I was going to talk about. So another component of this uh, from that RAIN meditation, um, by the way, the N is the nurture, so taking care of ourselves, um, uh, bringing a little bit of that gratitude that we took the time to do this, uh, bringing our tenderness to ourselves, to the situation. Um, The other thing that I think uh, that practice helps with is we're going to experience what we experience. It's, we don't really get a lot of choice. You know, if we read something or if we have an interaction with somebody and we get angry, I mean, we experienced it. It doesn't matter if we didn't want to. It doesn't matter if uh, we thought that we had let go of our anger and then there it is again. It doesn't matter if we uh, don't want to grieve. Uh, or feel that pain. So we're going to experience it. Uh, Just saying that out loud sometimes to ourselves can bring a little relief into uh, the situation. Uh, That's a little bit of that. That's kind of going through that rain really fast. You recognize it, you accept it, you investigate it, and then you say like, okay, you're experiencing this, you're nurturing yourself. Um, And some uh, of our experiences um, are mediated through our um, through our bodies, uh, through our physical reaction to a situation. Uh, many of our um, uh, experiences are also come from our mind, from our thinking. And so, I've been thinking about. Uh, how to take care of my mind. Uh, do a good job of taking care of my body most of the time. Uh, and I've been talking about taking care of the heart and, and through the body, through our feelings. And how we take care of our mind, too. Um, so the mind uh, and, and in Buddhism, the mind is uh, often lumped with our other sense organs, so like our, uh, you know, our eyes, body, nose, tongue, ears, and the mind. Uh, and the mind, uh, just like the eyes, contact with seeing uh, with objects, and then it creates uh, that sight or the consciousness of seeing. Our mind contacts thoughts and creates the consciousness of mind. Um, But the mind isn't just like this, uh, as nice as it would be to have it be this kind of clear, uh, blank, (laughs) uh, neutral element, it's not. Um, The mind can uh, take all sorts of different flavors, all sorts of different uh, shades to it. Um, And so, Uh, in taking care of our mind um, we start to look at ways of cultivating and creating uh, states of mind that are supportive uh, to us so um, so another list Uh, in Buddhism they, they talk about 51 mental formations 
Uh, and Peggy actually shared a reading from Thich Nhat Hanh uh, on those for Sutra Service a couple of months ago. Um, but those um, mental formations uh, are kind of like the, the way uh, that our, our minds are tainted. Uh, so you might have, um, I didn't write all 51 down, but so, um, you know, you might have uh, um, anger as one. That could be a state of mind. Uh, doubt, uh, arrogance, pride, uh, those kinds of things. Um, faith, maybe mindfulness. Um, that could be one as well. And so just, uh, just like we're aware of what our body experiences and what it feels like in the body, we can start to develop that awareness of what our mind feels like uh, and how that, that kind of, it can go down here into the body and it can tell us how we're experiencing. Um, I mean, if you want an example, just think of a political view opposite to yours that you don't like and just watch your body, right? That's just, where did that come from, right? You're here, sitting in here. And all of a sudden, we're like starting to brace. Um, but um, mindfulness is one of those uh, qualities of mind, uh, putting our attention where we want it to with this kind of care. Faith, that is sometimes... Um, might be faith in the teachings, but it's also faith in our ability to be with difficult things. That can be a state of mind. Instead of being like, oh my gosh, if I feel this, you know, I'm going to um, not make it through the rest of my day. But maybe having a little faith and trust that I can take the time to experience this. And I can also take the time to, uh, to let it go and, and create something new. So just uh, starting to have an understanding of that, we can take care of our mind and, and watch um, and notice. Uh, you, you might have your, your mind kind of uh, pre-wired <laughs> to see the world in a particular way, um, depending how we grew up and what our uh, biology is. Uh, what our ancestors experience. Maybe we see the world as a threat to be overcome. Maybe we see uh, the world as a, a place of safety and welcome. It, or maybe it varies day to day. Um, but just being aware of that. Uh, and maybe introducing some other, uh, other qualities of, of mind. Gratitude, mindfulness, faith. Uh, the, another list is the four immeasurable minds of love, uh, sometimes just called the four immeasurable minds, loving kindness, compassion, uh, sympathetic joy, uh, that is experiencing the joy of other people uh, when they're experiencing joy, um, and letting ourselves feel that, and then equanimity, uh, just having kind of ease, but that... Um, we're very, very good at sympathetic despair. And I don't mean that tongue-in-cheek. We are actually really good at it. Um, uh, so just knowing that and saying, like, yeah, I'm good at that. 
And now I also want to practice sympathetic joy. I want to experience the joy that someone else is watching uh, or experiencing. And so um, taking good care of our mind, just like we take care of our body. Uh, we may be in situations right now where we have the luxury and the space to do that. We may also find ourselves in places and times where we don't have the, the time to cultivate that. So there is a little urgency to do it when things are going okay, so that it's a resource for you later. Um, and if you don't get to it, it's okay too, because you know, you'll still be able to, to get there. Um, that's one of the gifts of Sangha, to be honest, is that um, when we're when we come here and we're just heavy, you know, we can sit with each other and breathe together and share together. And, and then we're starting to cultivate that mind of joy um, just by being together, uh, by taking the time to take care of ourselves. Mm. So it's... Um, It's important for me to remember that. Uh, so, my job, uh, one of one of my jobs is uh, to work in the hospital and uh, as a uh, doing spiritual care as a chaplain there. And sometimes, um, you know, I walk into situations that are horrible, just horrible. Um, and so, this these practices come in a lot into my work. Because then I can empathize with someone, and I can really feel, you know, they were happy and alive next to you, you know, an hour ago, and now they're not. And experiencing that, um, then remembering to let it go too, to let it move through, um, not so that I can not experience it, but rather so that I can really be there with that person in a different way than maybe I was, uh, maybe I would have before. Because I know when I'm feeling someone else's pain, uh, I want that to go away. And so often I'll try to soothe that person. Um, because if they feel better, oh, now I feel better. But that puts a lot of responsibility on somebody who's grieving um, to take care of me. So instead, I try to let it go uh, through these practices, you know, recognition, acceptance, investigate, nurture, um, and also taking the time to cultivate that, those other qualities of mind, those states of mind, um, so that they can be there too. Remember I, I said that you can feel really uh, strong grief and pain, and at the same time, gratitude and, and contentment? That's a weird experience. Um, and the first couple of times, it felt like I was doing a disservice to the person. It was like, if I'm not feeling the pain you're feeling, I can't care for you. I don't care about you. But over time, I realized that it, um, it's kind of the opposite. Um, because now, maybe you can um, rest a little in my ease 
just a little. It's not going to magically make your pain go away. But now you, you know that there's a place you can rest. There's a funny time where I got called into a room where a person had uh, passed away, and the spouse of the person saw my name tag. It said chaplain, and they put their hand up and said, I know what you're here to do. I don't want you to be nice to me because I can't hold it together. I need to get home, uh, and then I'll fall apart. <laughs> and I really appreciated that because the person recognized that if they if I stepped if they stepped into that open space with me, they couldn't keep it together in that moment. I thought that was really wise, and, uh, and it was a good lesson for me too uh, to try to to know or try to intuit maybe what the needs of a person are. Yeah. So. Um, I want to close with this um, poem by the, the sage uh, Mary Oliver. Um, this was actually shared at the uh, palliative care uh, huddle where they go over the, uh, the list of the people they're t caring for that day. And it speaks to this uh, acceptance in a way that only she can describe. That time, oh, it's called heavy. That time I thought I could not go any closer to grief without dying. I went closer and I did not die. Surely God had his hand in this as well as friends. Still, I was bent, and my laughter, as the poet said, was nowhere to be found. Then said my friend Daniel, brave even among lions, it's not the weight you carry, but how you carry it. Books, bricks, grief, it's all in the way you embrace it, balance it, carry it when you cannot and would not put it down. So I went practicing. Have you noticed? Have you heard the laughter that comes now and again out of my startled mouth? How I linger to admire, admire, Admire the things of this world that are kind and maybe also troubled. Roses in the wind, the sea geese on the steep waves, a love to which there is no reply.